0: Hey Church, welcome to Frontline Community Church Podcast. My name is Cody Mahaffey and I'm the Connections and Group Pastor here at Frontline in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So our mission here is simple, to see zero people unchanged by Jesus. So whether you've been following Jesus your whole life, or your journey has just begun, we hope that this message will help draw you near to the person of Jesus, be challenged and encouraged by His Word, and be moved to action. We hope these next few moments are a blessing to you and equip you to see who God really is and who you really are in him. Well, hey, good morning, Frontline. It's good to see all of you just by show of hands, uh, whether you're here in person, you can raise your hand if you're watching online as well. Show of hands, how many of you have played the game Monopoly before? How many of you have played the game? Okay, put your hands down if you only played it during McDonald's drive through large fry like I did. Truth be told, I don't think I've ever played a full game of Monopoly sitting down, but if you count McDonald's, man, I'm a a frequent flyer. I love that version of it. I'll play any game with a burger and fries. Uh, I wanna, the reason I ask you about Monopoly today is that believe it or not, it's actually the third most popular game in the world, Uh, only beaten by chess and checkers, which predate Monopoly by like thousands of years. So Monopoly, it's a significant game. What's funny about it too, is the premise, if you boil it down to the whole thing, uh, it, it says this, the goal is to own the most properties on the board and drive your competitors into bankruptcy. Uh, this is probably why we weren't allowed to play as kids growing up. Uh, because we took that to the extreme, right? Whatever it was, I'm, I'm gonna help you by putting you out of your misery. It's like, that's not the purpose of this, this is supposed to be fun. But if you think about it, right, I mean, the the purpose of this board game is not just to win, but it's also to win at the expense of the enemy. And as I sat just getting ready for today's message, as we close out this series all on prayer, all on the Lord's Prayer, uh, it kind of reminded me that Jesus talks a lot about two different kingdoms all throughout the Bible. Uh, In fact, in his three and a half years of ministry with his disciples as he taught them about the things of God and the things of heaven and earth and what he was here to do and what he was here to establish, Jesus talked about two different kingdoms over and over and over again. He talked about the kingdom of God and he talked about the kingdom of Satan. He talked about how different the two kingdoms were, and they had the exact same goal, to take the most room on the board and to drive their competitor into bankruptcy. Let me describe the two. The kingdom of God is full of justice, peace, mercy, love. It's diverse, beautiful, holy, holy set apart the kingdom of God. Jesus came to establish the kingdom of God here on earth. But here's the kingdom of Satan. It's full of injustice, chaos, hatred, division. It's merciless, decaying, perverted, and dark. Does that change how you look at the landscape of your context, of your world? of your workplace, of your neighborhood, of your family, maybe even of your own personal life, maybe of your own heart. It's so interesting as we think about the two different kingdoms, if both of them must exist, then they are constantly at war with one another. Author C.S. Lewis describes it this way. It's really fascinating the way he wrote it. He said, there's no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch Every split second is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. There is a war going on between two different kingdoms the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. If you look at your context right now, if you look at your world and the environment in which you live in or the environment that you work in, which one's winning? Which one's winning in your life? Which one's winning in your context, in your family, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your school? Which one is winning? Which kingdom has a stronger foothold right now? What if we saw our world all the time through that lens? Would that change anything for you? Would it change how you see yourself? Would it change how you see your role? Would it change how you see your gifts and talents? Uh, Because being a spectator in this game If you call it a game of following Jesus, being a spectator is actually not an option. You're always playing. So, which team are you actually playing on, or which team are you most effective in? What Jesus called his disciples to was to be a part of the kingdom that he was establishing here on earth, it was a different kingdom. It wasn't one that was ruled by boundaries and people and power. It was ruled by something totally different. It was ruled by love. It was ruled by a God that was over all and in all and through all, in everything, calling people to himself. The actual battleground that God came to wage war for was not a territory. It wasn't land. It wasn't dirt. It wasn't power money or boundaries. It was actually the hearts of the people. I think that's honestly the battleground that exists still to this day. It's the battleground for the hearts of people. What's so cool is God's invited all of us to actually be a part of it, to be a part of that mission, to establish his kingdom here on earth. So Jesus' disciples came up to him and fascinated with this new kingdom that Jesus kept talking about over and over and over. And they said, how do we be a part of that kingdom? They said, Jesus, when you pray, you pray different. Like you you pray this kingdom into being. Can you teach us how to pray like that? And this is the prayer that Jesus actually taught his disciples how to pray. It's in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. He says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation. This is the part we're talking about today. But deliver us from the evil one, for yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Here's the piece I want to, to stick out to you, even in this prayer, as you read these words, especially the yellow highlighted piece. There's, there's a kingdom piece, but there's a movement piece how the prayer ends. Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray this. The prayer ends, Jesus like, you're leading us, deliver us. The words that are used, they're action words, they're verbs, lead us, deliver us. As you further your kingdom, as the kingdom moves forward, it takes ground, even if it's inch by inch, second by second, Jesus was inviting his disciples to be a part of this brand new kingdom that was ushering in right in front of their very eyes. They were excited. Right? Jesus' disciples were excited to be a part of this same kingdom. They wanted to learn how to do it, but isn't it interesting that what Jesus actually taught them to do, like here's how you take ground, here's how you take an inch, here's how you move a second. This is how the kingdom of God furthers. is actually not with your hands. It's not with your might. It's not with your strength. It is actually on your knees in prayer. Jesus taught his disciples, pray, pray. Pray for your context. Pray for the people that you work with. Pray for the students in your classroom. Pray for your patients that are in the the operating room or the waiting room. Pray for the people whose house you're working on, the landscape. Pray for the people whose car you're working on. Jesus invites his disciples, his followers, to further the kingdom of God, first and foremost, through praying for it. If we just hit pause for half of a second, just pause right now, time out. How many of you, that would change your whole outlook on life if you simply started praying for the context in which you reside? Whether it's where you live or where you work or both, if you simply began, you just started praying for the lives and for the hearts of the people that are in your context that don't know Jesus, what could change in the spiritual atmosphere simply by getting on your knees in prayer and asking God, would you further the kingdom here? And you get specific. And you start getting to know the neighbors and you start getting to know the people who lease the building next to you. And, and you start praying specifically, even if they don't know it, for your coworkers who don't have a relationship with Jesus. You start representing Jesus in your context in places that maybe you go, Jesus isn't welcome in my context. He might not be, but you are And if he lives in you and if he resides in you, then you get to manifest him to different people who don't have a relationship with him. How much would it change your entire world? Even more so, how much would it change the world of those that are around you that are living right now in the kingdom of Satan, as we described earlier, their world is full of injustice, chaos, hatred, division, it's merciless, decaying, and dark. How many of them would be introduced to a brand new kingdom that could change their world for eternity? Simply by you just getting on your knees in prayer. How does God further his kingdom? He does it through people like you and me. These average, ordinary, uh, often unimpressive people like you and me, that's how God decides to further his kingdom. I wrote it this way. We are called to contend for spiritual ground where we live and work. This is what God has actually called us to do. So whether you're in the marketplace, whether you're in ministry, whether you work for a nonprofit, whether you own your own business, whether you're a stay-at-home mom or stay-at-home dad, whether you're retired, whatever it is, this actually applies to every single one of us in the room. We are all called to contend for spiritual ground where we live and work. So I wrote some of these, right? If you're in business, right? Some of you are so naturally gifted in the world of business. I want to talk to you for half of a second, okay? You are naturally gifted in this world. You have a favor from God. You know how to run businesses. You know how to run corporations. You know how to balance spreadsheets. You know how to make sales. You have a calling on your life from God to be in the business world and in the marketplace. God has called you to be his representation in that world. Go for it. How about this one? Education. Some of you just have this incredible knowledge and ability to explain how things work and transfer knowledge that you have to other people. Some of you are just so gifted at that. The rest of us would die in a classroom. Can I get an amen from anybody else? It would be a slow, miserable, painful death for the rest of us, but you come alive. You have the ability to invest in the next generation of people at whatever age group, whatever level. When you come in, when you steward the gifts that God has given you, you further the kingdom of God in a very unique way that nobody else can. How about this? Uh, Science and medicine. There should be a lot of amens in this one. Some of us wouldn't die. We'd kill people if we were called into the science and medical world. And thank God we're not called into that world. Some of you, though, you just have the ability. You understand the human body, genetics, cancer, rehab, health. You understand how to walk with somebody, how to shepherd somebody, how to care for somebody and encourage somebody and meet them in their anxiety or their fear or receiving one of the worst diagnoses they've ever received. God has gifted you to play a role in the medical community to further his kingdom. What an incredible calling. Do it go after it, leverage what you have and how God's wired you and how he's gifted you to further the kingdom of God in your context. Here's a couple other ones, uh, construction. There's another amen. You know how to build things from nothing that actually last. <laughs> the rest of us are laughing because we don't, we call you right. Something's broken. You're like that bolt's sticking out. Is that normal? I'd put the same category as like those that you're just so mechanically inclined. You understand engines. You understand how cars work and trucks work. You understand how to build buildings. You understand how to maintain things. You understand how to to create things like air conditioning and heat and electricity. God's just wired you in such a creative, special, peculiar way And he's called you to a very significant part of our context in our world that doesn't know Jesus. And he's gifted you with the tools and talents and resources that you need to steward those in that context and further the kingdom of God in a way that none of us actually can. God's put that calling on your life. He has gifted and wired Every single one of us, with a unique set of gifts and talents and abilities and passions and loves and desires, and He has placed you right where you are for a reason. Don't ever come into this place thinking I don't have a role in God's kingdom because I'm just a uh, fill in the blank. God has wired you for the calling that you have actually received from Him. And my encouragement to you, what I'm pleading with you on uh, today, I'm as your pastor, on behalf of the church, on behalf of God himself, is to leverage how he's wired you to further the kingdom of God in your context. I'm pleading with you because there's people live, people's lives that hang in the balance. Matthew chapter 9, this is three chapters after Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray. It says this, verse 37, he said to his disciples, talking about Jesus, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Have you ever heard this verse before? Some of you are like, we're farming now? Are we on farming? God's into farming, okay? As it turns out, Jesus uses farming illustrations all throughout the Gospels. He talks about farming over and over and over. But as he's teaching his disciples, as he's about to send them into the world, he says this. I want you to understand, right? If we're farmers, it's harvest time. And the harvest, if you look out in this field, the field is ripe. It's ready for the picking. It's good to go. It's it's there. It has grown. It's been nurtured. It's been prepared. I mean, it's been fertilized. It is so ready. It's ready to be harvested. All I need is people to go out and harvest it. Are you guys willing to do that? Jesus, looking at his disciples, he says, the harvest is plentiful. It's bountiful. It's full. It's loaded. All you have to do is walk out and everywhere you go, you're going to bump into things that you can harvest. So would you do that with me? That's what Jesus is asking his disciples. I think it's the exact same question that Jesus is asking of us today. Coming up to church, showing up to church is not about, you know, do I just do my thing and do my part and play the hour, hour and a half role that I have on a Sunday, or do I come in and do I sing a couple songs and do I evaluate the sermon? Do I like it? Do I not like it? You know, as I leave, do I complain about the parking and the infrastructure and what is Is that church, is that what God's boiled it down to, or is it about reaching people with the gospel who are destined for an eternity without him? That's what He's after. That's what he wants. If you're new, welcome, by the way. I'm glad you're here. This is the heart of our church. We, we want to reach our community. Can I blow your mind for just one second? We were doing some homework uh, just at Friday. We want to understand the context that we've been called to. We, we drew a really little circle, right? Five-mile radius from our building. So from where you're sitting right now, five miles in every direction, we were actually able to secure data based on addresses and census data, whatever, uh, of all sorts of stuff, even about, like, religious beliefs and income and population and demographics and families and kids and all. We we were able to get all of this data, but there's one question in there. It was very interesting because it asked, uh, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? And all of these people actually responded. So here's something I I just want to tell you, okay? This number here, 51,410 people replied no answer or no to that question within five miles of your chair. I can't help but hear Jesus' words to his disciples saying the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The harvest is plenty of there's 51,410 people that are within five miles of us right now that don't have a relationship with Jesus. Doesn't mean they're not open to one. Because here's what I'd bet. I'd bet a majority of these people have some sort of a relationship with you or some other church person. Maybe they work with them, they live next to them, they share a classroom with them, they play on the same team as them, they volunteer with them, they run with them, they do, they, they do something, it's because it's a community. We live with these people. 51,410 people within five miles of this place right here do not have a relationship with Jesus and that is the very kingdom that Jesus had called us to contend for. So here's, I'm gonna go back to begging. I'm begging you a lot today, okay? So marketplace leaders, all of you who are called in the marketplace, in businesses, in schools, in government, in public nonprofit, I mean, you you name all of you that are in the marketplace that don't work for a church, okay? So if that's you, you're like, okay, that's me. I qualify now. Here's what I'm gonna say. All of you are called to serve the kingdom. Every career, calling, and job, and your job is to fight for every inch of the kingdom of God, starting first on your knees in prayer. I'm such a big believer that if we actually want to see 51,410 people come to a faith and knowledge and understanding of a life-changing relationship with Jesus, if we actually want to see even a fraction of that begin to happen, it is going to start with us on our knees asking God to start cultivating in their hearts an opportunity for us to represent him to them. So I'm begging you, would you just pray for the people in your context I mean, maybe even right now, pull out your phone, write out a note. Just pick one. Pick one person that you're willing to go after Just to pray for, God, God, give me an opportunity, give me an opportunity, give me an opportunity, not just to live a good life that reflects Jesus, although that's part of it, but to talk about Jesus, to pray on their behalf, to talk about your personal relationship with Jesus, to invite them to a relationship with Jesus. All of us have such an incredible opportunity to make a dent and an impact in the kingdom of God, and he's invited us to be a part of it. Why don't we do this? I think so many of us disqualify ourselves. Okay, this, is on, this one hits home. Okay, I never wanted to be a pastor. Can I get that out of the way right at the beginning? You're like, didn't you just become the new lead pastor? Yeah, I did. Never wanted the job. Really <laughs> never did. People asked me when I was younger, are you going to be a pastor someday like your dad? Nope, sure won't. Here we are. I think we talk ourselves out of a calling to represent Jesus in our context all the time. I think some of us do it because of our own sin life. The things that we know about ourselves that nobody else knows. Maybe it's your past, maybe it's your history, maybe it's things that you've said or done. So many of us look, at our, our look in the rearview mirror at our own lives and we go, God could never use that, therefore I can't be used for his kingdom. I'm just gonna do my own thing and somebody else will do that. That's not even biblical. Jesus talks about a relationship with him as a new start, it's a fresh start, it's a brand new beginning. And Jesus, when he went to the cross and died for you, he washed all of that away. So you and him are in relationship. You and him are one. Your sin does not disqualify you. In fact, oftentimes your sin, your struggle, the disqualifications that you would ascribe to your own life in the past are actually sometimes the very tools or environments that God is calling you to as a representation of him to people that are stuck in the same thing. Am I preaching yet? Is this hitting anywhere? I'm fired up about this, you guys. We got to do something here. How about this? Uh, Sometimes it's our abilities. I think one of the worst things we can do in the kingdom of God is compare our own abilities to the abilities of another person. That kills us. You know what that does? It says, man, I I might be feeling this. God might be calling me to do something. Maybe I'm supposed to say something at work. Maybe I'm supposed to make a presentation. Maybe I'm supposed to go on a limb and go, can I just pray for you? You know, maybe maybe you've prayed for people before and you have have this spiritual gift of healing. Like you've prayed and they got better. And you go, maybe I should take a risk and pray. And then you see somebody else do that and it goes way better. And you go, nope, I'm not doing that. I'm just going to let them do it. So often, as soon as we compare, as soon as we look horizontally, we disqualify ourselves, we pull ourselves out of the game, and we let somebody else do it. And what's happening is we have a whole group and a whole church of people who just aren't contending for the very souls that God has called us to go after. We just click back into neutral, but like C.S. Lewis said, there is no neutral ground. There's kingdom of God and kingdom of Satan. God is furthering his kingdom. He's invited us to be a part of it. Here's another one. I think this is so important. Two more, age and season. There's way too many people that say this, I missed it. It's not my season anymore. That's the younger generation season. That was when I was still working, or maybe now that I'm retired, I, I can't do that anymore. I'm not called to do that anymore. Can, can I just speak to you for a second? If, a, if that's you, if you say, I think I missed it. I think I'm too old now, or I missed the bar, I missed the mark, whatever. You are positioned right now to have the biggest impact that you've ever had in your entire life if you will yield it and submit it to God. A friend of mine said this about a year and a half ago, I remember. He goes, In retirement, I find myself very time wealthy. You have time. You haven't missed your season. In fact, the season that you are in right now, you are perfectly positioned to have an impact on the people that are around you. And you can leverage the gifts and the experience and the talents and the treasure that God has blessed you with over the course of your entire life for this moment right now to be a harvester that heads out and has a harvest for the kingdom of God. You have not missed your time. That's what the enemy would tell you. Time to, time to check out. Time to disappear. Time to disappear time to go away. Nobody's going to notice if you're gone. That is the words of the enemy. The, The words of God, of your creator, he's beckoning you going, you're perfectly positioned. Everything in your life is built up to right now. You are perfectly positioned to have an impact. And remember, the best way to start to have an impact on the relationship in your life is to start on your knees in prayer just pray for the people in your context. Pray for the people you live next to. Pray for the people that you're mentoring. Pray for the people that are around you that they don't even know you're praying for them. Pray for them. It can change the world and I'm begging you to do it. Here's this last one uh, is fear. Uh, I think the longer we sit with it, the more we'll realize, man, fear is this big driver in my life. Fear is the thing that keeps me from sharing something about Jesus, from starting a conversation, from inviting someone to church, to asking them, how can I, how can I pray for you? Do you have any questions about God? Is there anything I can, can offer you just as a follower of him? I don't have all the answers. Fear often is this biggest thing that like, we can't get over. It's the hurdle that we keep stubbing our feet on, toes on, whatever analogy you want to use. Fear moves us into neutral. But God's not given us a spirit of fear. He's given us a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind that should drive us towards people that don't have a relationship with him. I'm begging you, name the fear, submit it to God, and then say, I'll be a harvester for you, Lord. Maybe of those 51,410 people, I'll take one. I'll just pray for them for the next year. I'll go after it like crazy, God. I'll pray for them morning, noon, and night. You name it. I'll pray for them. I'll intercede for them. I will make myself available, God, to go after the one because it's exactly what Jesus did for us. The whole purpose, the whole reason for this conversation is Jesus went to the cross. He died on the cross. He hung there to pay for your sins and my sins so that he could... He could create the opportunity for us to actually have a relationship with him. And the calling he gives to those that say, I'm going to put my faith and trust in Jesus, the calling he gives us is to go do that for somebody else. There's no greater purpose, no greater calling, no greater thing for which we could be alive than to be used to further the kingdom of God in the hearts of people that God is going after. And newsflash, it's all of them. Can we do this together? I'm fired up about this, right? So now my intro's done, let me get to point number two. <laughs> I'm just kidding. If you're new, that's a joke. That's a joke. It's, I only have like 40 more minutes and then I'm done. So I promise. <laughs> First Timothy chapter four, verse 14. Uh, Paul says this over Timothy. It's like his protege. He's developing him and, and he says this, don't neglect your gift which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you? Don't neglect the gift. Can I just say this to all of you? Please don't neglect the gift that God has given you to further his kingdom in your context. Don't neglect it. What we're going to do here in just a second uh, is we're going to invite a a different group of people to actually come forward, and we're going to lay hands on them. Uh, So most of this message has been geared towards marketplace leaders, Uh, leaders who are in the schools, in the government, in business, in public and nonprofit realms, whatever it is. Most of this message is geared at that because that's most of you. Uh, But as we close out this series today, uh, today we're calling it Commissioning Sunday. Uh, We really believe that there's a group of people in this context right now, here at our church, whether you're in person or watching online, we believe that there's a group of you that's actually called out of the marketplace into vocational ministry. We believe there's some of you that are called to serve God in the local church, and and here's why this is a, a fun one for me to preach. Like I said, 90% of this message was geared uh, to towards people that that doesn't. It's geared towards you if you're not called into vocational ministry, because that's where most of us in this room live, work, play. that's our life. God's called us to the marketplace. I think what we need to do is to be activated in the marketplace. But then there's this other group of people that I have to talk to right at the end, and it's a group that I would have fallen under probably 10 years ago. It's a group that a couple other people have fallen under on our staff. Uh, It's a group that God calls out of the marketplace, out of the context in which they may be currently serving, into serving the local church in a unique or different capacity. That could be serving here in a local church like Frontline, that could be planting a church, that could be starting a ministry, that could be going overseas as a missionary. There's a group of you in here that I think God's already started tugging on your heart that maybe what you're to do is to preach, to teach, to shepherd, to steward, to counsel. There's a group of you in here that actually have a calling on your life to serve God in vocational ministry, and here's what we want to do. I want to invite you to come forward in about like four minutes, and I want you to come up, and here's here's what you might think. Oh dear, I've been resisting this. I've been fighting this. I don't want to do this. What is this going to cost me? Are you saying I have to quit my job tomorrow Are you saying I have to move houses or sell house or? No. Everybody's saying no. No. Here's what this is. Uh, What I'm about to invite all of us to do uh, is to adopt a posture of obedience to our heavenly father. And to say, God, my life is not my own. My life is yours. You bought it. You bought it on the cross. And so as I've given my life to you, as I want to follow you, for for the marketplace people in this room, your life is his. He's placed you and positioned you to have an extraordinary impact on the lives of people around you. The other group of you that goes, "Ah, I wonder if he might be calling me into vocational ministry, your life is his too. And if he wants to do that, you just have to trust him. Uh, the uh, man on our staff, he hates attention like this, but I'm going to do it anyway. His name's Blake Hicks. And a lot of you know Blake. Blake serves as the executive pastor here at Frontline. He's also the executive pastor of the Zero Collective, which is this network um, that has been birthed to, to do what we're talking about doing, to reach and further the kingdom of God through churches in local context. So Blake, Blake was a marketplace leader. He was a business owner. He was very successful at what he did. He's great at it. He just thinks that way. He has gifts that way. He's talented just in that way. He's just, he's perfect in a marketplace setting. And and years ago, he felt the call that God put on his life to step out of the marketplace into church world. And for any of us that are on staff at church, I'll pull back the curtain for you. We all have like a moment well I've like that man I remember when God said that and put that on my heart or called me out of whatever I remember when I first felt it or at a conference or during a sermon all of us have like a moment well Blake was obedient uh, to that calling that God put on his life let me fast forward right here here's what I would feel if I were Blake right marketplace leader I've, I've I've done what I set out to do. I'm content. I'm happy. I'm fine. What Blake could have done is just coasted off and continued doing what he was doing. And what Blake would tell you, and I've lived this as well, is Blake would have been miserable. Miserable. Chasing the things of this world rather than the things of this kingdom. And God had very deliberately said, I'm moving you out of that over here. Blake, I just want you guys to hear this. Blake is one of the few people I can count less than one hand that have impacted my life in such a deep, transformational way on a marriage level, on a family level, on a pastoral level, organizational level. Blake has had a giant impact on my life and I can't tell you how many stories of people here at Frontline and all throughout the Zero Collective have had a similar impact from him and it all stems from his obedience. That's all he did. He was obedient. What Blake's doing right now, this is only God can do this. What Blake's doing right now is he's leveraging his gifts and his talents and his abilities and his passions and his loves and his experience of decades in the marketplace. God said, perfect. I'm taking that and I'm plugging it in in a local church context. And the impact is astounding. I think God's doing that in some of your lives. I really do. I've been praying for you. Our staff's been praying for you. A bunch of us all throughout the Zero Collective have been praying for you. So here's what I want to do. Um, I want to invite you uh, to come up right now So if that's you, if you go, I think God might be doing something in my life. I don't know what it means. I don't know where I'm called. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. But I just feel like he has a call on my life for ministry. I just want to invite you to come forward. Go ahead and just kneel right up here in front. The rest of you go ahead and stand up. We're not going to make this weird. We're not going to put anybody on the spot. But I just want to invite you to come forward. We're going to have our staff come forward, our prayer team come forward. We're just going to lay hands on you and pray over you and pray for discernment for you. Uh, because we are on this same journey together. God, we just want to yield to you. It is your life. It's the calling that you've given us to further your kingdom. So uh, all of you, would you just extend a hand wherever you're at right now, uh, just as we pray over them, and then they're going to stay up here just for a little bit longer as our staff and team pray over them as well, okay? So let's pray together. Uh, Father, we just come before you right now, and uh, the prayer that we pray over all of us, God, is our lives are yours. You paid for them on the cross and God, I I believe you have gifted this room with the gifts and the talents and the abilities and the spiritual giftedness that is needed for this next season. For the season that we're in as a world, as a country, for the season we're in here in West Michigan, even in this church, God, you have placed a calling on the lives of leaders. Uh, Some of them are called to the marketplace. Others are called to serve you in vocational ministry. And so God, what we do just right now is we just pray for the power of your Holy Spirit. We just pray that your Holy Spirit would come on all of these people, that you would give them the discernment that they need, that you would give them the power that they need. And God, that the rest of us in this church, in whatever our calling is, that we would be supportive, that we would commit to praying for them, that we would yield our lives to you, God, and we would also come alongside your church. You told us you're building your church. There's a harvest that is plentiful. It's ripe for the taking. Uh, So God, we pray that you would raise up harvesters right now in this room, in ministry, and in the marketplace to make an impact on your kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name and all of God's people said together, amen. We hope this message encouraged you to know who God is and who you are in him. If you want to take a next step, visit frontlinegr.com slash next. We look forward to connecting with you there, and we'll see you back here next week.